You're here. You made it back. Yay. Give yourself a hand. You're here. No, that's big, guys. Anybody? Is it big? Some of us getting here this morning was not easy. Um, my name is Chris Murphy. I'm legit out of breath. <clears throat> I'm really glad that you're here. I'm really glad that I get to stand up here and talk about Titus and Philemon with you over the next 11 weeks. It's going to be awesome. Um, let's take a minute. Let's pray. And then we'll get started. Father, um, we just thank you so much. Um, it's just so cool that we have this word that is all about you. Um, Father, may we always remember who it's about. And, and if we can learn some stuff about us, then super cool. But God, um, we're in here today because we want to know you in a deeper way. We want to understand that your son came and lived and died for us, for each of us in these chairs, each one of us. Lord, thanks for trusting us with your word. Um, we thank you today that we get to sit together and make new friends and make new bonds and share things that, that are only going to bring us closer to you, Lord. Thank you for that gift. And for those that are still trying to get in the door, get out the door at home, get in the car, Lord, will you just clear the obstacles for them? Um, Father, we know that you intended every one of us to be here. You had purpose. There are no coincidences, and we thank you for that. Whatever the reason is that brought everybody in this room today, Lord, may we walk out of here knowing you in a deeper way. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm so happy you're here. You know, I laugh because I, whenever we talk about it, like how, you know, when I meet new people, I'm like, how did you get to Bible study? You know, and, and everybody's like, oh, my friend brought me, whatever, whatever. And then I love the people that are super honest and they're like, free childcare. Like, that's totally legitimately a deal. You have two hours without your kids. If you want a nap, I won't, I won't call you out. You just take a little nap. You just rest. Well, like I said, my name is Chris Murphy. For some reason, they trust me and give me a microphone, and you'll question it, I promise you, over the next 11 weeks. You'll wonder why. Um, but for whatever reason, I have the gift of getting to be up here and um, go through this study with you. And I want you to know, I'm going through it with you. Like, we laugh, because sometimes in our small group um, leaders meeting, we have kind of like our own little small group before you guys get together. And, and we'll all be going through our homework, and somebody will look at me like I have the answer. I'm like, guys, I don't know either. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm answering the questions along with you. So it's so cool that we get to do this together. So I'm excited about the journey. Um, a couple of things. The way this day looks, if you're new to Bible study at Rock Point Church, this day looks a little bit different. This day we do, like I do this whole introduction thing, and then I'm going to give you the background on Titus We'll talk about Philemon in just a minute. And then you're going to get to go, um, I'm going to dismiss you, and you get to go to your small groups, and that's where the magic happens. That's where you're going to get to sit side by side with some women that you may not know right now, or some of them may be friends that you've come with, um, but you're going to know shortly that God intended for you to be in that group. I, I could cry when I start to think about some of the stories. See, I do it every time. The way God puts these groups together, it's like I get to watch. We get to just kind of be here and watch God do his God thing. And it's so cool because he will put you in groups where you are supposed to be and he will have you sharing things and learning things about other women that are gonna bring you closer to him. It's not all about opening a book. It's about relationship, amen? Well, with that, I wanna ask you, first of all, does everybody have one of these pretty things? Do you have one? Okay, I wanna say um, one of our evening ladies is actually the artist that designed the cover for me. And so her name is Kimberly. And I put her information inside the cover because it was just like my heart when I got to see how this thing came out. So it's so beautiful, right? It's fun to carry around something real pretty, right? Yeah. Um, you will know this too, it's a little heavy. 
Anyone? You're like, what are we doing? What have I taken on? Every single scripture that we're going to cover over the entire 11 weeks is in your book. And so that way, if you want to carry your Bible with you, if you want to look it up on your phone, however you want to do it, but know that you have all the scripture right here, every passage. Okay? So that's why it's kind of thick. So don't freak. It's all right. Um, also, does everybody have one of these little papers? Let's say welcome. Okay, cool. Pull that out for just a quick second. Your, your small group leader is going to cover that mostly, but there are a couple things I just want to point out just because just it never hurts to say it over and over. Um, when you get to your small group after we leave here, you're going to go over these guidelines. You're going to talk about how this study is going to look every week. Every week, you're normally going to come to small group first, and you'll come in here second. So today is a little different. But I want you to take a look at this. In the bottom half of that front page, you'll see that there is a heading called class environment. And if you've been in Bible studies with me before, you know what's about to happen, right? You're all like, uh-oh, she's getting on her soapbox. I want you to know something. And if you've never been in a Rock Point Bible study or you're new to Rock Point Church or anything, I want to tell you something from my heart. And the small group leaders and Becky and Lauren and Randy and our whole team will back us up on this. Here's what we want you to know. This is a safe place. It's a safe place. I know if you're a woman, raise your hand. That might be a politically charged question. <laughs> no. We have tendencies, do we not? We have tendencies to, I don't know, Share things under the guise of, let's pray for her. Bless her heart. Let's talk about her. I want you to know this about this place. I've been, I've been wounded by women too. And I know you have too. But this place is a safe place. And, and we, we take it real seriously. When we talk about um, the things that we don't talk about, I want you to know that, that we do that because we love you. Because there have been instances, oh man, it breaks my heart. There have been times where well-meaning, precious women in a small group conversation have said something politically charged, socially charged, um, judgmental about marriage or divorce or just things that the world is talking about. And she says something with, with a good intention and she doesn't know the story of the girl in the chair next to her. Okay? And I, I say this often and I don't, it, it, intentions are pretty meaningless, honestly. You may be intending something to be, to be good and it may come out in a way that may be wounding and you may have a girl that took every bit of courage in her world and you may be that girl to get some clothes on and get out the door and walk into a church. Amen. There are people that have been wounded. Let's not be those people. Let's be the people that love and welcome because we're here to study God's word. We're all here for that purpose, right? I mean, I would say if you're not here to study the Bible, you're in the wrong room, but we're glad you're here. We're gonna keep you. But we're here to do something that, that unites us, not something that divides us. And so when your small group leader goes over this part that she hates, raise your hand if you're a small group leader, first of all, and a sub. Okay, raise them high. You guys, come on. These are your best friends, okay? These are your heroes. They're your lifeline. But I will tell you this, they hate this part because they don't want to have to say, we're not going to talk about these things because it's scary. And I've given them permission to throw stuff at you. So I'm just saying. But when you take a look at this with your group leader, will you remember that it's to protect? It's not to, to make you feel like we're, we're cracking a whip and have a lot of rules. But instead, we want to protect. We want to study God's word together. Amen? Different opinions, different backgrounds, different stories. That's cool. We love that. Bring it on. Okay. Done that. I'm off the soapbox now. Okay. The next thing I want to show you at the bottom of that page, it says that the lectures are online. I just want to remind you, anytime you miss a class... 
the lecture, this large group time, and when we start doing our soap stories, which we'll talk about that next week, they're always recorded and you can access them online and listen. So that way, I mean, you won't maybe be here and you won't get to sit with your group and have your discussion, but at least you won't feel behind and you can do your homework and listen to the lecture and then come back. Does that make sense? So the website is right there on the, the front of that page and just write it inside your book because I forget all the time and I upload them. So what does that say? All right. You're going to cover the rest of this with your group. So I'm going to move on. Do this. Let's open up your books. You know what I'm going to say. What am I going to say? To the front cover and write your name in the front cover right now while you're sitting here. You are not going to want to lose it because God is going to do awesome things and you're going to work so hard and there's going to come a day you're going to be like, where's my book? For me, it was the last day of Bible study class last year. I was like, where's my book? How did I lose it? Make sure you put your name on the inside cover, okay? All right. Once you've done that. Oh, I got to show y'all something. Are y'all wondering about my big present? Okay, I have to tell y'all this. Okay. Some of you are new and this is your first study with us or you haven't been with us in a while and we're glad you're here. Those of you that were in Ephesians in the fall, you'll remember that we had so much fun. Fun? Right word? Yeah, fun, right? Studying Ephesians. That was one of Paul's letters as well. And I'll refer to that a little bit in just a few minutes when we go through the background of Titus. But this is what was so cool. We had so many moments, right, over the course of our Bible study where there would be some weird verse. Because what do we know about Paul? He likes to say a lot of what? A lot of words? He's wordy. Very wordy. You think I'm wordy? Wait till you start reading Paul. You're going to just die. He's wordy. But one of the things that were so funny is there was moments where he would say something and it would be like a verse. And I'd, I'd kind of pause and go, that's a weird, <laughs> that's a weird verse. Like in Ephesians 4, there was one that was like, be angry or get angry. And then it goes on to, and don't sin. But we were like, isn't that funny? What if you stopped right there and just cherry picked that out? It'd be like, do you want to cross stitch that on a pillow? I don't know. So one of my sweet friends that's in here, Sue, where are you? She made me a pillow, guys, with a Bible verse on it. My kids saw this when she gave it to me and they're like, I'm sorry, what does that mean? I'm like, it's a long story. Go study Ephesians 4 and you'll see. Anyway, I wanted to show you all that. Isn't that the best? Nothing like a pillow that says get angry like we need to be reminded, right? Open up your workbooks. We're going to look over the introduction briefly. Um, go over some things so you understand how our time together is going to work. And then I'm going to go right into our background on the book of Titus. Okay, So that, that uh, introduction is on page I-1. <clears throat> I-1. And if you've been in studies with us before, some of this you've heard, but I'm going to throw in like little surprising new pieces of information just to see if you're awake, just to see. All right. I want you to know this. If you're new here, especially, we have two objectives. Okay. And our objective is not that you walk out of here a Bible scholar and you know everything about the book of Titus or that you have it memorized. Because if that's the objective, I'm probably going to fail. <laughs> but that's a great thing. If you want to do that, more power to you. But I want you to know this. It's simple here. This is what we want. We want you to understand the character of God more deeply. That's number one. And the second thing we want you to understand is that every word of this is meant for you. Every word is meant for you. Not only is every word meant for you, but every word is completely available to you and you're going to be able to understand it and read it in a way that, that God intends. So don't be intimidated. Don't be intimidated. You don't need a, a middleman to understand God's word. Okay? So those are our objectives. Can we meet those? I feel like we can. I feel like we can do it. Go ahead and turn the page 
and go to I-2. We're going to look at a couple of things about our format. I'm not going to go into too terribly much detail because I'm going to let your small group leader kind of cover that. But um, each week, just know this, you're going to have a lesson and it's going to have five days of homework. Five days of homework, and you can do them however you want. A lot of people do them all in one sitting. You can break them out over the course of the week. And there's also going to be a section called Going Deeper, and that's kind of an optional sixth day of homework. Because a lot of us, when we were studying God's Word, I had a lot of great people come up to me and say, I want to go a little deeper. I'm like, okay, cool. So we added one little passage that's not necessarily Titus or Philemon, but it's something that maybe goes along with it or that might just kind of deepen your study. Completely optional, okay? Each day you're going to have, excuse me, each week you're going to have five days of homework plus the going deeper. You're going to do that homework on your own, however you choose, when you'll come back to Bible study next week. So like next week you'll come back and you'll have your workbook and you'll discuss that homework in your small group time, okay? The beauty, I think you guys are going to, your minds are going to be blown if you haven't done this before. The beauty of coming together for small group time, it's never going to be what you think, Amen. It's always going to be something a little different because here's what I think is so cool. God shows me something different than he shows you, than he shows you, than he shows you. And then you get everybody in a room and we start talking about it and it's like he shows you even more things. He's cool like that, guys. And so that's the beauty of getting together in a discussion. Don't think about it as an intimidating place where people are going to judge you for having a right or wrong answer because I can tell you this. There's a lot of things that are left to interpretation, and there's a lot of things that are not necessarily black and white. And, and, and your small group leader knows the black and white things. But there are going to be times when somebody says something, and you're gonna, your mind's going to be blown, because you're going to be like, I didn't really see it that way. And that's cool. That's awesome. That's God revealing himself in bigger, deeper ways. So I encourage you to do your homework. Come to class. Here's something I will say, and I know Lauren kind of mentioned this. If you don't get your homework done, there are going to be weeks. I'm going to tell you this right now. I know you're, you're starting off the beginning of the year. Everything's great. You're doing good. But I'm going to tell you this, and I say this with love. There's going to come weeks where life swallows you. And you're not going to even get to open this thing. And you're going to feel like just bummed out about it. And you're going to be like, I'm not going to Bible study. I'm not going to be that girl with her not with no lesson done. Can I tell you this? Can I just ask you this? Please be the girl with her lesson not done and comes to Bible study. Just come. Just come. I, 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 can, I can tell you this from experience. And I know that there are many, many faces in here because I see nodding heads who will tell you. Those weeks that you can't get to it, those weeks that, that, that life swallows you up and you're discouraged and things are hard and you're busy and... Those are the weeks you need to be here. Those are the weeks that God's going to teach you things and show you things, and you're going to go, man, I didn't even open my book, and God told me stuff. He's God. He can, like, do that. So just come. Just come and let him do his thing. For 11 weeks, will you just come? So you're going to have weekly homework lessons. You're going to discuss it in your small group, and then we're going to dismiss, get, get caffeinated, and walk in here every week, and I, you're going to sit here, and I'm going to get to tell you some stuff, and, and hopefully God will show you even a new thing about that passage. So this, this is what's cool about it. You're going to hit the passages that you study three times. You're going to do them on your own. You're going to talk about them with your best friends, and then you're going to come in here and listen to me or take a nap and doodle, whatever, whichever, and, and God's going to show you things all along the way. Isn't that cool? So that's how this is going to look, this study layout. <clears throat> Let's do this. Let's flip over to a page. I'm going to give you an example. Okay. Let's go over to page 2-4. Wait, is that right? Yeah. 2-4. Okay. First thing you'll notice under day two, you'll notice that there's your daily scripture. And it is not Titus. <laughs> Anybody going, 
hey, I might be in the wrong class right now. <laughs> Um, what I've done, and I did this for Ephesians, so some of you that have been in Ephesians will know this. I felt like if you're going to read a letter, if you're going to open a letter written by a person, you need to have a little background. Amen? You need to know who the letter's coming from, what's going on in his life, and what his point of view is before you read the letter, right? So this first week of homework, you're not even going to open the letter of Titus yet. You're going to look at some, some portions of the book of Acts, and that's where Paul's going to kind of give you his story. He's the author. Okay. So the first week is not Titus. So don't be, it's, it's, it's not a typo. It's okay. So, but go ahead and look at this page. This is the way homework's going to lay out every of those five days. You're going to have this left-hand page. We call it the resource page. And if you are new, if you, you will get some highlighters. Is that correct? They'll get highlighters in their classroom. If you are not old, I was going to say if you're old. If you're old, <laughs> if you're experienced and you were here last semester, you were given highlighters. Our intention there is, and you can tell I went cheaper this time and didn't print it in color, so sorry. Um, that, that go through, optionally you can go through and take that scripture and go, all right, I'm going to look at it with my pink highlighter and I'm going to highlight everything that looks like a promise. And then I'm going to highlight everything that looks like God's character and highlight everything that's, that's God's commands. And, and you're going to see these pages start to come alive just from that one exercise, highlighting. Because you're going to start seeing how scripture that you don't even realize he's making promises to you. Okay, So that's optional. You don't have to do that. You don't have to make your page colorful. But if you want to, it's super fun. Um, the rest of the things on this resource page, these are optional also. Okay, How do you like that? Bible study with all these optional things. I'm going to suggest to you to look up cross-references. I'll get to all that in a minute. I'm going to suggest to you that you go look it up in different translations or maybe a paraphrase like the message or new living or something. And then I'm going to suggest that you pick words out of the scripture and you look them up in the dictionary. Because you know what? I, I would bet, I see it nodding heads, I would bet that you, you will learn more if you pull that dictionary out or get your dictionary app on your phone and look up words that you think you know what they mean. Like Molly was it, we looked up rib, right? Last semester, we looked up the word rib and the things we found about the word rib. We all know what a rib is, but that's what's so cool is like when you start looking things up and getting outside of what you've always known about it and you kind of shift your perspective just a touch, it's amazing how God's word will kind of come alive. And it's pretty simple. So I'm gonna talk about that a little bit more in a minute, but I want you to look over on the right-hand page where it says soap, Okay. This Bible study, we're going to do, we're going to use this SOAP method. And here's the beauty of the SOAP method. It's five days of homework. And how many questions do you have each day? Four. Five days of homework. Four. Can you do four questions in a day? I believe that you can do that. Do you watch HGTV? There you go. You can do it. You got time to watch HGTV. You got time to do four questions. That's, that's to me. I'm not trying to offend anyone. That's me personally. And the minute I start to turn on my TV, I'm like, oh, dude, I can do my Bible. I got time. Right? So it's going to be four questions every day for your homework. You're going to have your scripture over here on the left. You're going to have some optional things, and we'll talk about that more and kind of move into that as we get going. And then you get four questions, and the four questions are going to look like this. They're going to um, be about scripture, observation, application, and prayer. Those are the same four questions every single day till the end of the study. Okay, let's go back to the introduction and let me finish out that little section and we'll talk about those questions. Back on that introduction, page two, I think it was. I lied, page three. 
I give you kind of some details and you can all read, I'm assuming. And so I'm gonna let you read through that when you're not here with me. But I, I, I do wanna hit a couple high points. When you hit your homework for the first time, I wanna suggest something. No, I don't wanna suggest something. I wanna tell you to do something. And here's what I wanna tell you to do. Pray. Before you start, before you open it. I know sometimes, like some of us, I'm not the most eloquent speaker. I'm not, you should hear my prayers. Sometimes they're questionable. Sometimes they're, hey God, I don't really feel like studying your word today. Mm, So there. And God honors it. Sometimes I have to ask him, will you just help me want to do this? Will you keep me, will you give me 25 minutes where no kid walks in this room? Will Will you just give me a little bit of time to be able to be focused We turn off my phone. We make the texts go away. I mean, the prayers that you have to our Father in heaven are personal. They don't have to be some big King James, beautiful, amazing thing. Just be real with him. But I promise you this, he will show you things. Ask him to show you things. It will happen. So start out with prayer, the SOAP method. There's no right or wrong way to do this. Do you love that? Is this the best Bible study you've ever been at? It's like, I don't know. Is that right? I don't know. Is it? No right or wrong way to do this. This is all you and God. So pray about it first before you begin. Then read the passage. And you know what I do a lot of times? Because sometimes the passages have like big long names with a lot of syllables that I can't pronounce, you know. Or sometimes it'll say it's Paul. And sometimes he'll talk in these sentences that go on for eternity. I'm like, dude, I don't know what that was. And so I'll pray, God, dude, I don't know what that was. And then I read it again. And then I read it again. And then I open it up my, my phone and I look it up on the message version. And then I read it in the message version. And then I look it up in NIRV, which, by the way, I highly recommend that version. Because you know what that is? That's, that's like the NIV, but shortened into sentences that are like three words. So it's like a whole bunch of choppy sentences, but it helps me. So, so just stop and read it again. Well, then you're going to move into that SOAP page, okay? S-O-A-P. The first S is for scripture, right? Any individual verses within um, what you're reading for the day that stood out to you. There's no right or wrong way. Maybe it's a phrase. You know, sometimes what I write over there is just like two words. Two words that popped out of that scripture for me. There's no reason that you need to do it a certain way every time. And I will tell you this too. It won't look the same as the girl sitting next to you. Sometimes, sometimes my page looked like I had writing and I had not enough room to finish. Sometimes my page had like three words here, four words there, a big happy face, and then move on. It's okay. It just depends. Well, scripture. So physically write out that scripture. If you have kids or you've been a teacher or you've learned anything, does that get everybody? I think we got everybody. You know that like when you're trying to learn something, a lot of times if you write it, down, it helps you remember it, right? I know that the scripture is right there on the left-hand side of the page, but I encourage you to physically write it out again. Write it out in a different version. Do whatever you want, but rewrite it, okay? So the O, the second question, observation, write what you see. That's easy. We can all do that. I'm not asking for some big theological deep meaning. Here's what I'm asking. I'm asking you to go, are there any repetitive words? Was there any connector words like conjunctions, like therefore, or and, or but, or are any of those weird words popping up? What about names? Are there some names that you don't know? Like there's people that are being mentioned, and I don't know. Who are those people? I'll just write what I see. Is this a location? Because you're going to see in Titus there's a lot of part. We're going to talk about um, the island of Crete. Okay, I didn't know where that was. I don't know anything about that. I saw it pop up. I wrote that down. So just all that observation is is what do you see? Don't make it harder than it is. Do you see repetitive words? Do you see characters mentioned? Use a bullet list. Just kind of 
dot things out. Third question, how will this application, how will this passage become personal to you? How will this passage become personal? How are you going to apply it? You know what? Sometimes my application question says, and I'm, I'm giving you license to write this. Sometimes it says, I don't know. And then I go to my small group. And then I know. You know, sometimes this part may be hard to find right away. And that's okay too. But be open to it. Pray about it. Lord, I, you just made me read a section on the book, in the book of Titus. I have no idea it has anything to do with me. It's about young men or elderly men or I don't know. Ask God, I'm reading it for a reason. Every word is for me. What does it mean? And I, I, I suspect that he will show you something. It may not be what you expect. Application. How does this passage become personal? How can you apply it to something you're dealing with now? Something you've dealt with in the past? Something you anticipate dealing with in the future? Maybe there's changes that you need to make in your life and all of a sudden you read that and you're like, ooh, that one spoke right to me. That's application. Okay, so that's the third question. The fourth question is super easy. It's prayer. All it is, and I would, I would encourage you, I'm not, like I've said this over and over, I've learned so much about prayer over the last several years because I know there are people in my life that are prayer warriors that are like, and when they pray, I like weep, right? Like that you can hear so much about our relationship with the Lord, you can hear when you hear someone pray, right? You know, okay, is this, this is real. This is her heart. This is her soul. You know, when I pray, a lot of times it sounds like how I talk here. I think he laughs hard when I pray, <laughs> but it's sincere, and he knows me, and he knows my heart, and he knows I don't use big words, and he knows I don't understand the King James Version, and he knows me. I want to encourage you to remember that. This is about relationship. When you write out a prayer, it doesn't mean to be some beautiful, eloquent thing. If it is some beautiful, eloquent thing, good for you, but, but there's going to be a girl next to you that sometimes... I mean, I read a book a couple years ago, one of my favorite authors, her name is Anne Lamont, and she says the three most important prayers are help, thanks, and wow. Three words. How often do we stop and pray? One word, two words, three words. Don't feel like you have to fill up a page with some beautiful thing. Be honest and real with the God who loves you so much that he gave his own son to die for you. That's relationship. Four questions, five days. Can you do it? I didn't hear anybody say anything. They can do it. Yes, I got, I got a hands up in the back in the booth. You can do this. That's the method of homework that we're going to go through. And I'm going to tell you this. It may be different than what you've done in the past. And it may push you because there's days you will have an empty page and it will scare you. Or people that are artistic and love to write will be like, awesome, empty page. Okay, that's okay. It doesn't have to be beautiful. It doesn't have to be perfect. And it certainly doesn't have to be full. Okay. Let's move over to page I-5, and I'm going to move through this part quickly, and then we're going to get to the background so you guys can get to your small group and meet your new best friends. And maybe, maybe, maybe there might be snacks in your room. Was I supposed to tell them yet? Yay! Okay, snacks, snacks, snacks. Okay. Page I-5, study guidelines. I want to um, tell you first, I love you. I love you all. <laughs> Don't see this as the things you can't do. See this as a let's let God do things. This part, we tell you to avoid outside commentaries. We tell you it, and it's the very first sentence, and I bolded it. You know what that means? That means I'm screaming it. Avoid outside commentaries. You know what outside commentaries are? Some of you are like, we hear this every semester. Here's what they are. Outside commentaries are this. Um, uh, um, your favorite podcast. Outside commentaries are blogs, are, um, oh gosh, I don't know, articles, are your, your favorite pastors, teachers, um, 
those are commentaries. You know what else are commentaries? Everybody have, anybody have a really pretty study Bible, like a real thick one that's so pretty? Yeah, okay. You know how on the first top of the page, it's like all Bible, 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 and then come down here, it's like all these awesome little cheat notes? Those are commentaries. Just some dudes wrote that, guys. I'm gonna encourage you lovingly, don't read them. When you go through your homework, I want you to do this, and I'm doing it with you. I cheat later and re read commentaries because I gotta say stuff, but I don't do it until after I've done my homework. Do your homework with your Bible in your book and maybe a dictionary or, you know, maybe you want to look up some things like what is the Greek for that word? Don't look at me weird. I promise you by the end of this study, you will want to look at the Greek on some of these things. Just even just to hear them pronounced, right? Like, it's just kind of fun. Um, just ask God to show you things. You love listening to Matt Chandler teach? Me too. He's great. But let's listen to what God tells you, not what God tells Matt, and then you write down. That's what I'm challenging you to do. After you go through your homework, you come to your class and, you, and you, you share discussion time and then I talk, go listen to Matt. Go listen to all the great things. Read everything you want to read about that particular passage. But I'm going to ask you, just let God talk to you. And don't be scared because he will tell you cool things. Okay. Okay, that, that, I'm off that. So it's not a bad thing to not know things. It's not a bad thing to dwell in the what? Dwell in the I don't know. That's what my friend Jen Wilkin says, and I always love that because it's beautiful because here's what happens. If you don't know things, does anybody in here know everything about the book of Titus? Raise your hand. Nah, me neither. <laughs> if you don't know things, you know what that leaves room for? God to teach you things. If you approach this and think, I already got all this figured out, well, then that's kind of a closed door and God's going to be like, well, I got a lot to tell you. So be okay with not knowing, okay? There's going to come weeks where you come in here and you're like, I didn't get any of that. And that's going to be beautiful because God will honor that. He will show you something. I don't know what it is, but he will. Mark my words. Well, what you can use are other tools like cross-references and Blue Letter Bible and the dictionary and alternate versions of the Bible. I highly recommend reading it in a bunch of different versions, okay? Um, this, this book has ESV, and that's the standard. That's what we use at the church. That's the only reason I picked it, but it's kind of a standard version. But you can read all sorts of things that are paraphrases that make it modern language and make it easier to understand. Do that. Highly recommend it. Um, I will say this, this section that says other tools, flip to the back of your book just for a quick sec. There is a section, it's an appendix, okay? And what I've done back there is I've given you some details about the tools that you have, that you don't have to rely on commentaries and podcasts and sermons and things. You have tools, you know, even in your very own Bible, which I am ashamed slash excited to say when I wrote this portion, I was like, dude, I've never used some of these things and they're in my Bible. I, I, you probably have tools in your Bible that you've never actually accessed before and I wanna encourage you to do it. Here's what's gonna happen. When we study Titus, you're gonna see like, let me use an example. You're gonna see like the name of a dude, okay? A guy, his name. You're gonna see the name and you're gonna be like, that's a weird name. And then you're gonna, we're gonna encourage you, look it up. Look it up in your dictionary. Look it up on Blue Letter Bible. Look it up and see if it shows up anywhere else. And then you're going to look it up and go, oh my gosh, this guy's name is like 13 times in the Bible. So he's, he's a person I should know about. And then you can kind of look at all these cross-references and, and see where, oh, this guy's name, here and here and here, and you learn a little bit more about him. And then you go back to the letter, and then you go, oh, I know more about this guy because I've read these other verses that talk about him in other places. That's the beauty of these cross-references. That's the beauty of jumping around and trusting God's word, not people's words, to understand what you're studying. Okay?
So I've, I've listed some of those out. Look them up later. We're, each week, I want you to know this. We're going to kind of touch on these. Like the Blue Letter Bible, that's a website. You can get it as an app. I've given you directions on how to kind of work through that. It's a cool place to look up words. It's a great place to compare different versions. It's just a great tool to kind of get used to using when you study God's Word. I mean, you don't have to do it, but I gave you directions to use it. So, um, I guess that's it. So that's, that's what I wanted to share with you, especially about that resource page that I told you is optional. Sometimes you can look up words and do that sort of thing using those tools that are in the back in your appendix. Okay, so just kind of take this home and, and, and look around and see if there's some interesting things that you learn by reading that appendix. All right, with that said, I'm going to stop talking about all of these things and we are going to move into why we're here and that's to study the book of Titus and Philemon. So turn to page 1-1. And it looks like this, and it's blank. And you can doodle. I'm not going to check your work. Or you can write down some notes, however you want to handle that. Um, you will notice that on the first page of the background, I ask, we're going to cover Titus. And on the back page, we ask questions about Philemon. Well, I decided since we're going to sleep a few nights before we get to the book of Philemon, I think that's going to be like week eight or something like that. We'll do the background for that one when we get to that book. Is that cool? Because I, I got confused. The more I was reading, I'm like, I'm not doing that. Let's just do Titus right now. So that's where we're starting, okay? All right. Titus, the book of Titus. So here's the thing. Whenever we start going into these letters, I, I reminded you. Oh, I kind of told you what kind of, what kind of book, what kind of writing style it is. But whenever we open these up, right, it's always important to understand the background and the context. You, you, you are going to get so much more out of it, and I will get so much more out of it, once we understand why this letter was written, when it was written, who it was written to, who it was written by, right? So that's what our purpose today is. Let's talk about the background of this letter, and then once we launch into it, we're going to have already have this foundation of truth that we start from. So with that said, I'm going to start. The first question is, who wrote the book of Titus? I'm going to let y'all guess because I have a feeling you already know. Paul. That's right. It's like you knew. It's like I mentioned it. Um, Paul. The thing about Paul, and, and if, if you were with us in Ephesians, I've said this before, but I like to remind us of things because we sleep over a period of time. We forget stuff, right? Paul is known in the Bible by two names. Did you know that? What's the other name? Saul and Paul. Very convenient. They rhyme. Thank you, Bible. Thank you. Um, here's what I, I, I found very surprising, and I didn't know this, because I just assumed that when Paul became a Christian, that his name was converted to, excuse me, when Saul became a Christian, that he, his name changed to Paul. That's kind of what I thought. Well, that's not actually accurate. What, what's accurate is to understand the guy. Okay, the guy, Paul, he, um, he's a traditional, he has a traditional Jewish name, Saul. That's his traditional Jewish name. Um, when he goes on and becomes a believer and he starts ministering to the Gentiles, who are the Gentiles? They're not Jewish people. How about that for a definition? That's who they are. The Jewish people under, know him by this name, Saul. The, the Gentile people kind of have a different translation for his name, and it's Paul. So that's all it is. It's just two different names, two different groups of people, same guy, okay? Um, the things you can understand about him, the Apostle Paul, um, that these two names were not unique. In the New Testament, that happens a lot. You'll see a lot of different characters that have two different names mentioned. That's just the way it was in those days. The things we know about him, we know that he was born an Israelite, but he was a Roman citizen by birth. 
that's significant when it comes to him spreading the word of Jesus because he has the respect of the people that he grew up with from the Jewish heritage. They'll listen to him because he was a know-it-all and he was pretty powerful. We'll find that out in a minute. But then he was a Roman citizen. So you talk to the Gentiles and all the people that are not of Jewish descent and they're like, this whole Jesus thing is all new. Well, these people will listen to him too because he's a Roman citizen. So it's, he's got these two dual identities, if you will, that, that are meaningful. He was a Pharisee. Remember what a Pharisee is? Before he became a Christian, before he became the voice of the New Testament, essentially, he was a Pharisee. And what that was, a Pharisee was a very knowledgeable, strict strict observation of Jewish law. So he was, um, he was entrenched in the Jewish faith, probably for you know, his family for hundreds of years, right? This is who he was. He knew everything. He seemed like a know-it-all. He kind of seemed pretentious. He had a little bit of a superiority complex. That's just the Chris version, I'm saying. But, but that's who Paul was. So he was this guy. And, and what do we know about Paul? What, do you remember with the first time, those of you that were in the study with us last semester, do you remember the first time he was mentioned in the Bible? He was mentioned because he was standing while they were stoning Stephen to death. And he was the one collecting the cloaks from the guys that took off their coats to throw stones at this martyr and kill him in the streets. Paul was there. Paul was there. He was, he was a powerful force in that movement, okay? Interesting. So he's the, like enemy number one to these new Christian believers, right? So at the time, this letter we're, re we're, we're reading is from Paul, and it's going to be to this guy Titus. But here's what you need to understand is, remember, Jesus has already come. He's had his ministry. He's already been crucified. He's already ascended to be at the right hand. But this is what gets crazy. Paul, this guy who's standing here trying to kill these Christians and saying, we don't want this crazy lunatic cult kind of thing to continue on. We need to get back to what we know. And that's our, our just strict Jewish traditions. And we follow these rules and then everything's okay. And we do these sacrifices. And as long as we obey the rules, everything's okay. And so he's a, he's a crazy guy about this, okay? So this is what God does. This is, this is how cool our God is. He's on his way to what city? Do you remember, Paul? Damascus. He was on his way to Damascus after Stephen had been stoned to death. He was on his way to Damascus riding a horse and he had his posse with him and they were on their way. Do you remember what they were on their way to do? To imprison and kill Christians. That's what he was going to do. That's the moment that Jesus, who's ascended, appears to Paul on the road and says, what are you doing? Everything changed from that moment on, right? And you're going to read about that in your homework because this homework this week is the book of Acts and it's Paul telling his story and I can't wait for you to hear it from his, word, from his own voice. But that's when everything changed. What a crazy cool God that takes enemy number one and transforms his life and makes him the voice of this faith. Isn't that weird? Like, let's be real, come on. It's crazy. The beauty of it is, how could you not, knowing who Paul was, seeing who Paul became, how could you not see that and go, that could only be God? That's what I love about our God, is he takes these, he takes us when we're at our worst, and he says, you know what, I love you so much, I'm going to appear to you, I'm going to come down to you, I'm going to choose you, and I'm going to transform you. He does that to us too. That's our Paul. Face-to-face -face encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. He converts to Christianity. He's the first apostle to bring the gospel to Europe. First apostle to bring the gospel, spreading it out over the entire Gentile nations. Gentile nations. Do you know who that is? 
That's us. Because of Paul, because of his missionaries, because of those efforts, the gospel spread like wildfire. The New Testament has 27 books in it. Paul wrote 13 of them. Possibly 14. We're not certain. 13 of them. He has something to say and we need to hear it. In less than two, you're going to get more background on Paul. But that's who wrote the book of Titus. When was it written? It was probably written between 62 AD and 64 AD. It was probably written between... Paul's two Roman imprisonments. He was in prison. Remember Ephesians? He wrote it when he was where? In prison in Rome. So this letter was probably written in between the two imprisonments somewhere. Uh, It was written after his second missionary journey. We think there were four missionary journeys. So he wrote it after his second missionary journey. And it was believed to be one of the very last letters that he ever wrote before he was martyred. The other two were 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy. And so these three letters were all written around the same time. Could have been some of his last words, and last words matter, don't they? He's shoring up things that he's needed to say for years. Letters he's written and encouragements for years, and this is one of the last ones. So we need to listen. Well, to whom was it written? Uh, I'm going to let y'all guess who y'all think it was written to. Come on now. Thank you, Titus, a guy named Titus. What do we know about Titus? This is what we know about him, that he was a Gentile. He was a Greek believer, possibly led to faith by Paul before or during his first missionary journey. Think about that for a minute. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, odds are, I know friends that have come to know Jesus through really weird circumstances, you know, whether it was like a dream or, you know, things. But, but for most of us in this part of the world, we were probably led to Christ by a person or by impacted by a life lived, right? That's who Paul was to Titus. So when you read this, think about that person, the first person that invited you to Bible study, the person that, that walks alongside you in your faith journey, the person that, that, that brought you to a place where you came to know who Jesus was. This is who Paul is to Titus. And so when he writes, you will hear love. You will hear it. You'll see it. Titus, he served with Paul on both of those, the second and third missionary journeys. And he, along with Timothy, was considered, oh, I love this, one of Paul's sons of the faith. We don't know if Paul ever had children, but we do know that, that it's mentioned that he considered Titus a son. Titus is mentioned, see, this is one of those examples where you're going to see a name, and if you look and look at the cross-references in your Bible, you're going to see Titus's name is mentioned 13 times in the New Testament in Paul's other letters. My favorite is in 2 Corinthians 8.23. This is what Paul says about Titus, so this is how we can understand this relationship. Are you ready? He says this, as for Titus, he is my partner and fellow worker among you. My partner and fellow worker I I like to imagine like Paul, you know, goes on these missionary trips and he goes and he talks to all these people. I mean, masses probably, right? Like, and sometimes one-on-one and and every one of those hearts and souls matters. And Paul sees it and he sits down one time with some young guy named Titus. And Paul doesn't know what God's going to do with that life, but God takes that one life and transforms it in a way that Paul then can claim that he is his partner and fellow worker for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want that to be, I want, I want y'all to say that about me, that we are partners and fellow workers. 
Well, something interesting to know about Titus, and you can know this about Timothy too, if you ever read those letters, is um, Timothy, okay, Titus is not a pastor, okay? So he's not like Ron up here preaching on Sundays. Here's what Titus, the role that he is given. He's given the role to deal with special situations and needs for these new churches that are arising. So Paul has sent Titus here to help these new churches kind of develop and organize and, and learn, how to in, learn how to live the, uh, the Christian walk amongst all of the culture that's going on. And Titus was the same way. You know where Titus went? Ephesus. He went to Ephesus. So that's kind of cool too. I'm sorry, did I say Titus? Timothy. Timothy went to Ephesus. Titus went to an island called Crete. We'll talk about that in just a minute. So he was sent to Crete. There were new churches propping up. There were new believers that were in Crete. There were home churches. So there was a bunch of them all over the place. And Paul knew we got to stay here and help them get this stuff worked out. Here's what I think is interesting. Okay, think about this. So you've got like Jewish believers, people that were, were entrenched in these Jewish traditions and they see Jesus or they hear him or they have missionary that have come and, and shared about Jesus and they've converted and they're now Christians, right? You've got these Gentiles that, I don't know, maybe they were into philosophy, who knows what they were into and all of a sudden they're following Jesus. So you've got this crazy mixed up pot of people following Jesus, but you know what you don't have? You don't have a lot of solid leaders that are all, um, that are all unified in, in how to teach and how to start churches. And so that's what Paul's job is. He's a leader in the church at this point when he writes this, okay? Many years have passed since he was converted. He's considered a pillar in the church. So his job is, okay, we got Crete. We got a lot of stuff going on. We got to send some people over there and help them get everything organized. That's what's happening. That's who Titus is, okay? About Crete, you want to show that map? There's a map I have. Um, so the thing you can understand about Crete is it's an island off the coast of um, Greece in the Mediterranean Sea. It's one of the largest ones. At the time, have you heard like sayings like, oh, you're such a Cretan? I mean, you've probably heard that before, right? Because I heard that and I'm like, oh, this is what this is. At the time, these people, pagans, they were known for being liars, for being lazy, for being self-indulgent, for being sexually promiscuous. That's what this island was known for, was known for. They were entrenched in Greek mythology. Their culture just oozed it. It was all about, I want to become a god and I'll do anything I can to become a god. And we'll learn more about the Cretans later. But I want you to think about something. When I, when I read about the Cretans, and that's who Titus has been dropped off at the island. Bye, Titus. He's going to stay there and help them out, right? You know what I thought of? <laughs> yeah, I thought of teenagers. Anybody own any of them? Yeah, me too. This is what I thought about. I thought about Young Life. You hear me talk about it all the time. That's how I came to know Jesus. Young Life, for those of you that don't know, is a non-denominational youth outreach ministry that goes to where the kids are. It doesn't tell them come to church. It says, we're going to go into your dark world. Liars, lazy, self-indulgent, sexually promiscuous. I don't know. I'm just saying but the beauty of a Young Life ministry is you've got people who, who are partners and fellow workers for the good of Jesus Christ who say, you know what? I love Jesus so much that I'm not just going to call a bunch of teenagers and tell them to come to church. I'm going to go to the games. I'm going to go to the parties. I'm going to go to the places where they hang out. And I'm going to get entrenched in their culture. And I'm going to teach them how to live kingdom up. And I'm going to teach them about who Jesus is because I'm going to earn the right to be heard because I'm going to get down in it with them. That's what I thought about Crete. 
isn't it cool that, that Paul doesn't say, okay, we need to clean all these people up before they can come to the throne of Jesus Christ. No, he says, you know what you're going to do? You're going to get down in it with them and you're going to earn the right to be heard. And that's what's happening in Crete. This is the people that God sends Titus to. This is the people that Paul sends Titus to. Greek mythology shaped their culture. Churches were merging and confusing mythology with Christian truth. They had known that there was, this, there was all these gods and goddesses, and there was this one, and Zeus was like a big deal. And the thing about Zeus was he was a liar and a cheater and a murderer, and he would do all of it to become godlike, and they wanted to be like Zeus. And so that's the way they've lived. So now all of a sudden, these new Christians are bringing in this Jesus, and they're getting Zeus and Jesus confused, and it's, there's just a lot of, of false teaching and a lot of, of bad doctrine. And so Paul trusts Titus to go and, and clean up shop. That's what we're going to read about. New home churches, mixtures of Jewish believers and Gentile believers, and they needed the message of grace. Well, what style was it written? I think you know at this point. It was a letter. A letter, um, also you'll see sometimes the word epistle. Remember, that's just a fancy word for letter. That's all that is. So if you're going to write a thank you note after Christmas, you can tell your children, you need to compose your epistles to your grandmother. Um, that's all that word is. It's considered a pastoral letter. When we, when we studied Ephesians, it was considered a, um, a prison letter because it was written in prison, right? He had written encouragements to people while he was in prison. This one's considered a pastoral letter. While it is written specifically to one person, Titus, it gives encouragement and counsel that he is to pass on to the leaders that he's appointing in these new churches. So this information isn't just like two guys talking. It's information that is going to be globally used in the way churches are set up. This church is set up under a Titus principle. You'll find that when you see a lot of our churches today, our modern churches are based on what Paul sent to Titus and how he said churches are to be set up. Pretty cool, right? They were originally regarded as personal letters classified with like Philemon. When we get to the letter on Philemon, you're going to see that that is a personal letter. Paul to this guy, and he's imploring with this guy, and it's a personal thing. But these letters later became classified as pastoral epistles because they had large portions that dealt with church order and discipline and belief and Christian living. We all have something to gain from this letter, not just Titus. Well, my favorite part, central themes of Titus. What are some th central themes of Titus? This is what you can expect. You can expect this. This letter is going to reiterate the need for the grace of God through Jesus Christ to accomplish things. Because here's what's happening. Remember I told you these people are all made up of all these different backgrounds and they believe all these different things. And, and they need to understand that all that matters is that the grace of Jesus Christ covers everything. That these people are trying to live a life where they're like, like where they want to be like Zeus, right? So they're going to like, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z, and then I'll be like a God. And then you got people that I'm going to just go on on a flyer here that, that are Christians and that think they have right theology and they have this right. And, and they think if I do X, Y, and Z, if I go to Bible study this many times, and if I um, wear these kind of clothes and hang out with these kind of people and say this kind of thing on Facebook, then, then surely God knows I'm a good person, Right? Surely I'm going to get in to heaven. It's, I'm good, right? It's the same thing these Cretans are doing. They're living and doing and doing and doing to try to earn. And, and the doctrine of Jesus Christ says you don't earn anything, man. You could never earn it. You get a free gift of grace. It's like this free gift, this pillow. I didn't ask for this. I certainly did not earn it. That's the truth. But my friend brought it to me. 
and said, here, I want to give you this. And there's no strings attached. That's what grace is. And so that's what Titus has to go and teach these people. So during this book, during this letter, as we read it, I kind of I drilled it down to two things. There's, there's two things that you're going to see. And the first is this, that they need to live kingdom down, not culture up. He's going to implore Titus to help these people in Crete understand you have to live kingdom down, not culture up. What does that even mean? It means this, that um, there is a need for sound doctrine. There is a need for an unbreakable link between faith and practice. You can go and do the young life thing and get down in the muck with the Cretes and hang out at the bars and do the things. But if you're not living differently, if your life looks no different, there's a problem. I think about that often because I feel that. And you probably feel that too. If you're here today, if you know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, or if you're just investigating and you're curious about what this whole thing is about, let me ask you, the people that have had the greatest impact on your life of faith, the people that have brought you here, do their lives look different than the person that has no faith that lives next door to them? They probably look different. Our lives need to look different. That doesn't mean I move out of my neighborhood. That doesn't mean they move out of Crete because they're entrenched in this culture that is just dark, liars, lazy, promiscuity, all those things. That's where they are. But that doesn't mean they can't love Jesus and understand the gospel of grace. So they need to live like they are a part of this new kingdom that Jesus came to the earth and they need to live that down and it will trickle down into their culture. Not live like they are just like Joe who lives next door and has no idea who Jesus Christ is and then just hope somebody understands who Jesus is. Doesn't work like that. If you claim to know Jesus as your savior, people are watching you. If you claim to know Jesus as your savior, they're watching what you post on Facebook. They're watching what you do when you park in the parking lot at Target. They're watching you. Is that fair? No. Is life fair? No. These Cretans needed to see that there was a difference, and we live differently than the culture. We live like we believe in this kingdom that Jesus has set forth. You're going to see this in the midst of this letter. You're going to see three different times where Paul um, is calling the Cretan Christians and, and helping them understand that it would be impossible to live the way we're telling you to live if it weren't for the appearance of the epiphany. Do you know what epiphany means? I didn't either. I'll tell you what it means. It means when Jesus is considered, Jesus is fully God and fully man. Right? He doesn't go back and forth between the two. Always, always fully God, fully man. That's the epiphany. So he's helping them understand this Jesus is different than all these Greek gods and goddesses that you've chosen to follow. This Jesus is different than anything you've seen. And so you'll see three different times where he talks about it in Titus 1 and Titus 2 and Titus 3. And he's trying to help them remember, help Titus remember to remind the Cretans that grace comes through Jesus alone, not through deeds, not through power, not through anything else, only Jesus. And it's interesting, like the, the, the letter of Ephesians, you remember it was in two parts. Do y'all remember that? Those of you that were there, we did the first like three chapters and that part was like, this is doctrine. This is what we believe. This is what God did. This is what Jesus did. And then there was the one word, remember the word in between? What was it? Therefore. And then we had the last three chapters and they were like, okay, this is what we know Jesus did. Therefore, this is how you live your life. You're not going to have that first three chapters in this book because he knows that Titus is grounded in solid faith, solid doctrine. He's not having to reiterate that. He knows Titus and he knows he knows this. 
but you're going to see little reminders. Don't forget to tell them about who Jesus is. Don't forget to tell them about who Jesus is because without Jesus, they can't do this. Kingdom down, not culture up. The second theme is um, this letter is going to implore Titus to straighten up and to do good. Straighten up, do good. Seems simple. Not simple. (laughs) Straighten up, do good. Paul trusts Titus. His theology is firmly rooted in the truth. He needs them to understand you, you don't just rest on grace. You have to be zealous for doing good. But there's a difference in doing good and doing things to try to earn salvation, to try to earn a place with God. Instead, you need to do good and be zealous and and have a checkbox of all the awesome things because that's showing your salvation, not earning it. Evidence, not earning. Straighten up. These people need to shore up who they are. You say you're a believer in Jesus. You no longer live like your next door neighbor. You live in the neighborhood but you look different and there's something about you and people say something about them. That's how young life is. If you are ever involved in young life, that's what's so beautiful about it. You know the way I came to know Jesus Christ? I came to know Jesus Christ at the darkest moment in my life and how I came to know him is because I had young life leaders who came and and lived life with me and hung out with me. And you know what I thought? I didn't think this, like Jesus is the savior and all these things and I didn't have my Bible out. and I saw this person, I said, something about that person that's different. What is it? I want that. I want that. Whatever that is, I want it. Because this person doesn't have a perfect life, but something's different. And sometimes that's what the gospel is, right? And that's what Titus is telling them. Here's the thing. Straighten up. You need to get it all shored up because you believers need to look different. And then you need to do good. Because when you do good, it's going to show people there's something different. And there's some different reason why they're doing good. It's not to become Zeus. It's to prove that they have a savior who loves them, who gave them grace, who saved them by grace. And now they want to share it. That's what Titus is going to teach us. Paul's going to give them instructions for Christian living and leadership. He's going to teach them how to appoint wise leadership. He's going to tell them how to call out false teachers. He's going to tell them how to rely on ethical instruction for Christian living. Anybody need that? Yes, amen. He's also going to tell them to actively do good deeds as evidence, not earning salvation. All of those things are things we need, amen? All of those things are things we need, and we are going to get Well, in closing, I'm going to dismiss you to your small groups in just a minute. But before I do that, I want to share something with you. If you know me, um, and even if you don't, you're going to know this about me. I am very inspired by music. God speaks to me through music all the time. And I I was listening like this week. I had my little AirPods in. I got those for Christmas. Those are so cool, but I'm scared I'm going to lose them. Anyway, I was listening to those while I was writing all this stuff up. And, and And anybody know who Mumford and Sons are? Right? Yeah, so awesome. Well, they have a new album, a new song, and this new song was on, and I didn't really know it, but then I heard this lyric, and this happens. I heard it, and I went, repeat, 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 and I kept playing it over and over, and this has been what God's been reminding me of this week, and it's this, that my words are empty vessels if I do nothing in this place. And we can scream into the shadows, and it's good that we can do that, but walk with me, I think we'll find a way. We are empty vessels if our words do nothing. Paul wants Titus to go do something. We have to take this book of Titus and we have to do something. If we read these words and just read them, right, and study them like history, like we believe it's true and we just study them, um, that's really great, but you're doing history. And you know what else? There's somebody else in the Bible who had scripture memorized and studied it. And you know who that was? That was the enemy. That was Satan. Even the enemy knew the word. 
It's a, there's a difference in just reading and studying and doing your homework and checking it off and having a relationship with the one God who came because he loves you so much that he wanted to set everything right and he died for you. There's a difference. If we just read this, if we just do our homework and go through the motions, we are empty vessels and we are not changing a thing. I, I challenge you to think, God, am I an empty vessel? Because I want to not be an empty vessel. I want to do something in this place, in this town, in my neighborhood, in my, in my circles of influence, online, personally at home, in my family, with my friends. What is it? Empty vessels. Think about this. And I'm going to close. For real. What if Paul had his Jesus moment on the Damascus road and then he rode away unchanged? Could it have happened? Yeah. What if God sent Paul on all these missionary journeys and then he never discipled or sent letters or encouraged anyone or followed up with them? He just said, ah, here's the gospel. Good luck. Could it have happened? It could have happened, right? What if Titus never walked alongside these Cretans by instructing and guiding them on how to live out their faith? Could it have happened? Yeah, these are just guys. These are not superhumans. They're just people. And I'm going to ask you this. What if you received the saving grace of Jesus Christ and you were forever changed and eternally secured and you rode away unchanged? What if you... What if God sent you out into the world to live out your faith and you never discipled or sent letters or texts or messages or encouragements or followed up with anybody? What if you received truth, but you had no one walking alongside you to wisely instruct and guide you on how to live it out? Are we empty vessels? Because I feel like we can take this letter and, and, and choose to go out and do something in this place. Let's do that. We don't want a bookshelf faith. We don't want to read this on Wednesday morning and be real good Christians and look real cute and have cute hair and cute shoes and then just move along our day and be just like the Cretans. We want to be different and we want to show people the grace of Jesus just like Titus will. I'm so glad you're here. I can't wait to study this with y'all. Let's pray. Father, you, um, you have intention. It's not that we're just here to hang out with cool people and have childcare and all the things, God. We, we may have thought that's why we were here, but you have bigger plans. And so, God, we ask you today, um, I ask you on behalf of every person in here and every sweet, precious lady that couldn't get here today, Lord, show us the places that you long to fill us. Show us the places that you want us to step into culture but live kingdom down. God, what are those places that our lives need to look different? How are we to learn from Paul and from Titus on how to straighten up and how to do good? Father, we, we just hope that you can show us that it is all about you. It is all about your son. This entire book is about you. What can we learn about how you want us to live it out? Lord, show us. Show each of us. I thank you so much for this day. I thank you for what's to come in the next few minutes because that's where it's going to get good and you know it. Lord, be with our girls. Um, be with each of them. Give them time. Carve out time this week where they sit down with you and your word and they pray. All right, make this make sense. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.